Well, good morning. I'm Pastor Allen. We're glad that you're here. Uh, see some old faces. I had one in the first service, meaning it's been a while since I've seen you, not that you're old. <laughs> um, and some new folks. So we're glad that you're all here. I'm kind of a, not a hot weather person, so today is beautiful for me. Uh, hopefully it's energizing you too. We're in a series. What we do here is we teach on a topic for several weeks at a time. We're on actually week five of this series, believe it or not, called What Makes You Happy? And today's topic is pleasure and happiness. So, last week, I'm not going to review, but last week we did a really important topic. That's happiness and money. And we kind of get that wrong usually. We usually think more money will make us happy. We know that there's some connection between money and happiness. But it's actually the management of money that makes you happy. So if you missed that, it's on our website. The audio is on our website, as well as the others that we've talked about. And this one will be too. So I'd like to start off by talking about as a pastor, and I've been a pastor a long time, um, certain things break my heart. One of the things that breaks my heart is when I see folks I care about making dumb decisions, which is ultimately going to lead not to happiness or to unhappiness. And it's kind of like a train wreck and you see it coming and um, often you don't feel like you can say something, but you know the way that husband and wife talk to each other that, you know, sometime in the future there's going to be problems. Or the way that sometimes the parents parent their children and you know that's a really touchy subject and you can't really say much, but you know that maybe not now, but five years, ten years from now, there's going to be, be problems there. Um, so, you know, it breaks my heart. And one of the things, I, we all do this, but one of the things that is, it's just strange is life is tough. We're going to have trouble. We're going to have problems. Why would you create more problems? more trouble for yourselves. Um, And one of the reasons is, what we're going to talk about today, one of the reasons that we create trouble for ourselves is that we confuse these two words, pleasure and happiness. So before we get to that, when we talk about the difference between the two words, I want to look at something Jesus said. And Jesus often taught with what we call parables or stories. And he was telling this story about a sheepfold and a shepherd and a, a, a thief and a gate. And he says, I'm the gate. And he looks at the crowd and everybody's just wide-eyed. What is this guy talking about? They're not getting I don't know if we get it today after we studied it. So he switches the, uh, the analogy or, or the, the um, application in the middle of this parable. (laughs) Um, So we're going to pick it up after that point where the crowd's all confused and don't understand what he's talking about. So we're going to pick it up in verse, John chapter 10, verse 10. And John was there. He he saw this. He heard this. And he wrote it down for us. He says, The thief's purpose is to steal, kill, and destroy. So, in this teaching, what Jesus is saying, anyone that comes into your life and steals something. And then we're not talking about stealing money. We're talking about maybe stealing your time, certainly stealing your happiness, stealing your peace and contentment. They're a thief. Or if anyone comes into your life and they kill something. 
They kill a relationship. Um, they're a thief. Or somebody comes in and destroys something in your life. Uh, they're a thief. Now, who has the greatest potential, greatest opportunity to do this in your life? Now, this is kind of a downer, so hang in there for a second as we cover this. The who is the same for you as it is for me. Because it's the who that you and I looked at this morning in the mirror. You and I had the greatest potential to steal something from our lives, to kill something in our lives, to destroy something in our lives. And we even use this phrase sometimes, don't we? I'm my own worst enemy. I do stupid stuff that makes me unhappy. I do stupid stuff that brings problems and troubles and, and discord into my relationships. It's true of all of us. And the common denominator in all your unhappiness is who? It's you, right? It's me. Now, what we tend to do is want to blame somebody else. You know, I blame my spouse, blame my kids, blame my parents, blame my boss, blame somebody at work, somebody at school, whoever. You know, we want to blame somebody else. But the common denominator in all our unhappiness is us. So he goes on to talk a little bit more about this, this thief, thief analogy. He says the thief, thief's purpose is kill, steal, kill, and destroy. But he makes a contrast. He says, but there's an option. He says, my purpose, not like the thief, my purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. Not steal, kill, and destroy, but a rich and satisfying life. Now, some translations of the Bible use the word full life there. Really, actually, the old King James uses probably the best word there. It uses the word abundant life, overflowing life, extraordinary life, not normal, not ordinary, different, better. He said, my purpose is to give you, us, a rich, satisfying abundant life, a life with purpose. In fact, we might say a wow life. And sometimes you can look at somebody and say, hey, wow, look at their life. My wife had this experience this week. She was buying a new, what's the new phone? Seven? (laughs) The new seven phone for her and Jared. And um, interacting with the AT&T guy, he happened to be a a Jesus follower too. And he said, I could tell. (laughs) I could tell there's something different about you. Uh, and most of you know my wife she's kind of a wow wow person right so uh, Jesus said that's my purpose that's what I want for all of you I want you to have a wow life and then he makes this analogy before he was a gate now he says now I'm something else he says now I am the good shepherd now we have any shepherds in here See, see, this is not a really good analogy for us because I've seen shepherds. As a missionary in Portugal, we had shepherds right outside our window. So I've seen them, but most of us have had no interaction with shepherds. Uh, so we don't know anything about shepherds. So we can ask the question, what does a good shepherd do? And thankfully, Jesus answers the question for us. He says, I am the good shepherd, and the good shepherd sacrifices his life for the sheep. 
And this is really important if you're a Jesus follower or not. And if you're not, we're glad that you're here. But it's important, we all need to know this, that Jesus, the good shepherd, sacrificed his life for us, the sheep. Which means that God is for you. Sometimes don't you feel like God's against you, that God's trying to get you, God's just up there trying to wait till we do something wrong and punish us? No, 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 no. <laughs> the reason you and I can be absolutely sure that God is for us is because Jesus, the good shepherd, sacrificed his life for us. And if somebody sacrifices their life for you, you know that they're for you. So we have this contrast. We have the thief that steals, kills, and destroys. Then we have the good shepherd that actually gives his life for the sheep that actually wants you to give you and I a full life, abundant life, an extraordinary life. So we might say the good shepherd doesn't steal, he gives. He doesn't kill, he protects. He doesn't destroy, he wants to build. And Jesus is saying, we all have a choice, we all have an option, who you want to follow. You want to follow the good shepherd, that leads to abundant life, or the thief. The, ob- the choice seems so obvious when he, when he explains it this way, doesn't it? Well, as we're going to see, we don't always make the right choice. Now, <clears throat> being compared to sheep can be offensive. Um, sometimes we say sheep aren't too intelligent. I don't know how intelligent they are, but you know, they're animals, they're not people. They're stubborn, and they're kind of one-track mind, and so forth. So, before you feel too offended being compared to a sheep, I want you to think about this. You bought it, you leased it, or you ate it, or you drank it, or you smoked it, or you dated it, or maybe even married it, or him or her, right? You and I are, at times, our own worst enemies, right? Because we've all done some of these things that brought us unhappiness when we thought it would bring us happiness. So, we're our own worst enemy, but that's not the only enemy we have when it comes to our happiness. There's another enemy, and we talked about this way back in week one, and that's this word here, sin. The Bible kind of personifies sin as a, as a, as a thing. <clears throat> and no matter how you want to define it, if you're not a Jesus follower, you don't even have to include God in it. It's just whatever you consider is bad or immoral or, or harmful, whatever word you want to use. <clears throat> and we said this, sin always separates. That's what it does. It always separates. It doesn't bring us closer together. It doesn't Im- uh, improve our relationships. It causes barriers in a relationship. First with God, and ultimately we all are separated by, from God from, from, from what we do in our lives. We talked about that also. We're born with a sin nature. And unless we do something about that, except God's gift, uh, we're going to stay separated from God. Uh, it separates us from others. When I do dumb stuff, when I do unkind stuff, when I do selfish stuff. Does that draw me closer to my loved ones? No, it pushes them apart, pushes us apart. Um, 
So sin separates us from others, and sin also separates us from ourselves, which is a big problem we talked about, that, you know, we're not, we don't like ourselves, we don't, sometimes we say we have a a poor self-image, whatever, we're down on ourselves, and consequently we're not happy, and we're down on other people, and maybe down on God. So, anytime somebody does something that you interpret as wrong to you, it separates you from that them. Anytime you do something wrong that somebody else interprets as wrong, it separates you from them. Sin always separates. Now, we could reword Jesus' words this way. Sin's purpose is to steal, kill, and destroy. That's what it does. Now, we don't think of it doing that, and when we're, there's a temptation to it, an attraction to it, but ultimately that's what sin does. So either we're our own worst enemy or sin, both these things undermines our happiness. So why would we do it? Why? And this is a people thing. It's not a Jesus follower thing. This is everybody. It's a confusion we have between, again, these two words, pleasure and happiness. Now, pleasure is not wrong. In fact, God created pleasure. All the way back to the beginning, Garden of Eden. God created man and woman. He, he wouldn't have to create us with, with uh, the, the need to eat food. But there was food in the garden. Uh, some of us uh, vegans or vegetarians would say there were, he gave all the plants to eat. But uh, later on he gave meat to your meat eaters, okay? Uh, eating's a pleasure, right? We ate before sin entered the world. He also told them to uh, be fruitful and multiply. So he created the pleasure of sex. Uh, he gave us our five senses. So what we smell, wonderful smells like bed, bread, bread baking. That's hard to say. Uh, I love that smell. You have your favorite smells. Uh, sight, uh, beautiful colors, uh, a sunset, uh, beautiful sunset. Uh, <clears throat> So our senses God gave us for pleasure. In fact, one is kind of a funny to think about. Jesus is about to perform his first miracle. And I can imagine the disciples say, what are you going to do first? You're going to move a mountain. You're going to heal a bunch of sick people. What are you going to do? And Jesus is saying, you know what I think I'm going to do? I'm going to make some wine. <laughs> that was his first pleasure. Some of you wine drinkers, I'm not, I don't care for wine. But maybe Jesus' wine I would like. It's probably the best wine anybody's ever tasted. So God isn't against pleasure. He created us with the ability and the desire to have pleasure. But here's the problem. Anytime you and I prioritize pleasure over happiness, and when we do that, we get neither pleasure nor happiness. When we prioritize happiness over pleasure, the things Jesus talked about in the Sermon on the Mount, the Beatitudes, things we talked about already. When we prioritize those things, we have happiness as well as pleasure. So let's think about this, dig, 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 dig a little deeper. Why then would we prioritize pleasure over happiness? Again, we get them confused. And eventually, pleasure loses its pleasure, doesn't it? And it becomes a prison. 
You can put it up. <laughs> Eventually, pleasure loses its pleasure, becomes a prison. Now, we have a name for this, a word for this. It's called diminishing returns, the law of diminishing returns. And we've all experienced it over and over again. Think back when you first got your driver's license, if you're old enough to have a driver's license. Can you remember the first time you drove, actually drove 70 miles an hour? Wasn't it exciting? After a while, though, it wasn't so exciting. And I think probably I am safe in saying all of us at some point, I don't think there's any speed limits around here higher than that, have driven faster than that, right? Get a thrill. Some of you like roller coasters. It's up in Pennsylvania from one of these old wooden roller coasters. It's a little small thing. Why don't, why, don't, why don't we just have those kind of roller coasters anymore? It was a big thrill the first time anybody rode on one. So why did he keep making them bigger and faster? Because the roller coaster that gave you this tremendous thrill the first couple times just doesn't have the same thrill anymore, does it? Anything you can think about. Um, a new hobby. You know, it was this great thrill at first, but yeah, I need to have more stuff or I have to do it more often to get the same thrill. Again, these can be legitimate things. What about eating? We all love to eat. Eating's fine. It's a good pleasure. But how often do we eat things we shouldn't eat or more of the things that we shouldn't eat? I even get into the alcohol and those type of things. Um, what happens is, what's a, could be a legitimate pleasure, maybe not, but a legitimate pro- pleasure becomes a habit. We just keep doing it. Then it becomes an addiction where we can't stop doing it. And ultimately it becomes a prison. If you can't stop doing it, it's a prison, right? You're no longer free. You're a slave or you're a prison. So we're going to look at something Paul wrote. Now Paul came along about 25 years after Jesus. And he wrote mostly to Gentiles, which most of us are. It means you're non-Jewish. And you know, you don't really believe in the Old Testament. And he takes the words of Jesus and elaborates on them, explains them, especially to a, a Gentile audience. And as most of you have heard me say, I, I love Paul because he, he makes these logical arguments that, that you can't really argue with. All right? So this is in a letter he wrote to, to a church in Rome. And we're going to pick it up in Romans chapter 6, verse 15. Well then, he's, if you read the previous part of the letter, he gets to this part, he says, well then, since God's grace, he's been talking about God's grace, has set us free from the law. So like in the Old Testament, you tried to try and follow the Ten Commandments and all those laws to kind of connect with God. Didn't work very well. and They kept making sacrifices to get forgiveness and so forth. So God, uh, Jesus comes along and he says, okay, I'm going to be the ultimate sacrifice for you. You don't have to make these sacrifices anymore. And this is going to connect you with God. And we call it God's grace. He says, it sets you free from the law. So you don't have to keep following those laws to connect with God. So somebody is asking, or Paul is anticipating this pushback, does that mean that we can go on sinning? That we can just ignore the Ten Commandments and do whatever we want? And he says, of course not. The Ten Commandments are still good to follow because they make your life better. They're not going to necessarily make your connection with God better, but you're going to make your life better. So no, you, you don't want to do that. And part of the argument was, well, when I sin, God gives me grace. Grace is a great, great, great God, God's grace is a blessing, it's a pleasure. So if I keep sinning, I'll get more of it. And he says, no, 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 no. 
you, know, you get all of it initially. You don't need to sin to get more of it. <clears throat> so he says, of course not. And then he says, don't you realize? Now, of course, evidently we don't realize or he wouldn't have to tell us, right? He said, this is, should be obvious. This should be logical. This should be uh, common sense. But again, of course it isn't. And here's what he says. Don't you realize you should become the slave of whatever you choose to obey. So let's think about some pleasure again. So I, start, I find this pleasure. We'll, we'll use riding roller coasters. Absurd illustration, but we'll use that. All right? I don't think it'll offend anybody. All right. I ride a roller coaster, and I've never been on one, so I can talk about it. Uh, I get motion sickness. But anyway, um, Ride a roller coaster, and, you, and it's just the greatest thing since sliced bread, as they say, right? Just love riding on roller coasters. So every weekend, you have to go find some place where you can ride on a roller coaster. And then that doesn't become enough. And so then you have to find some time during the week that you go and ride on a roller coaster. And eventually, you're not happy unless you can find a roller coaster to ride on. So you've become a slave to roller coasters. You keep saying yes to roller coasters. You can't say no to roller coasters. You can't not get on a roller coaster. You're no longer free. You no longer have choice. Now you're addicted, if you will. We can use that term. Or a slave. To whatever you chose to obey. And there's nothing wrong with riding roller coasters, but it can become, we can become a slave to it. So then he goes on. You can be a slave to sin. Now, sin would be something that is technically wrong, or actually wrong, which leads to death. We talked about it. it always separates. Death is separation. You can make that choice, or you and I can choose to obey God, which leads to righteous living or right living or right relationships or right connection with God. <clears throat> That's the choice we all have. So, we can choose sin that kills, <laughs> steals, kills, and destroys. Sounds like a bad option, right? But that's a choice. Or we can choose the good shepherd who brings us abundant life. That's the two options. And Jesus says, come, come follow me. I've got your best interest at heart. I died for you. You can have this wow life, this extraordinary life. Or you can choose the slavery of sin. Now he's talking to a group of Jesus followers. So he says, thank God. <clears throat> Once you were slaves of sin, we all were. And maybe you still are. But all of us at one point were. But now you wholeheartedly obey this teaching we have given you. So you stepped across a line. Now you're, 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 you're free. Um, you don't have to do those things that you couldn't stop doing before. In fact, he says that in the next verse. Now you are free from your slavery to sin. And you've become slave to righteous living. You, gotta, you have to choose one or the other. You can't be in limbo. You can't be neutral. You, you're going to serve, follow someone. Then we get to a verse that's pretty familiar to you if you've been a church person. For the wages... The pay, the pay off, the results of sin is death, separation. Death to your relationships, 
etc. But the free gift, and how tremendous is this? <laughs> God's grace, salvation, is a free gift. No cost involved. And it's the of eternal life. So this abundant life doesn't just doesn't start now and go on until we die. This goes on forever. Abundant life. And how do I get it? It's a free gift. Can't get much better than that. Then you have and I have peace with God. Now we talked about this previously. Every happy person you and I know has peace. Most of them have peace with God. They resolve this, this, this separation with God by accepting this gift. Uh, that consequently paves the way to peace with ourselves. So I can be comfortable in my own skin. I can say, thank you, God, for making me the way you made me. You know, warts and all, as we say. Um, I'm okay. Don't have to envy other people. Don't you know, wish I had what other people have or be like other people. Peace with ourselves and equips us constantly when we're at peace with God and ourselves then we can be at peace with our surroundings, peace with the people around us. And when you see people that are always troublemakers, they're not at peace. They're not at peace with themselves and most likely not at peace with God. So one way Jesus might say this is this way. So better, and we talked about, that was in week two, the way to be, to be happy is to sow better. You sow your way to happiness. You do things now to be happy later. And if you're happy now, you've done something in the past to be happy now. And if you're unhappy now, you did things in the past to make yourselves unhappy now. So he says, sow better so you can reap better. Do things now to make yourself happy. And then, of course, certainly you'll feel better. Now, here is where we run into trouble. We're unhappy. Whatever the reason is, all of a sudden we're unhappy. We don't want to be unhappy. Nobody wants to be unhappy. So we think the answer is pleasure. So we chase after some pleasure. Riding roller coasters 24-7. <laughs> okay? That was possible. And that's what gets us into trouble. Right? And I, I don't need to give you the examples. We've all, you know, we bought it, we leased it, we ate it, we drank it. We all did that seeking happiness. We went shopping Nothing wrong with going shopping, but if you can't be happy unless you're spending money, you know, that's, that's an issue. We're seeking happiness. We're unhappy, but we chase after pleasure. And again, if you prioritize pleasure, you don't get pleasure or happiness because pleasure becomes, again, a prison. There's no quick fixes. That's the easiest way to say it. If you're not happy now, you can't be happy the next instant. We all know this. We've all experienced this, haven't we? Been unhappy, chased after something, and sometimes got into bigger trouble, bigger unhappiness. Now we say as a Jesus follower, life is better. We do things Jesus' way. Life is better, and you and I are better at life. We're better at relationships. Now, <clears throat> I want to ask you a question. Kind of a probing question. And I know the natural reaction is to either ignore it or push back on it. Argue with me. And what I'd like you to do is just relax. 
Be honest. Nobody can read your mind. You don't have to talk to anybody about it afterwards if you don't want to. But believe you owe it to yourself and you certainly owe it to your loved ones, the one you live with, the ones you interact with, to answer this question honestly. So here's the question. Is there a pleasure that is undermining your happiness? It could be immoral or sinful. Most likely not. Okay? It could be, might not be. Is there a pleasure that undermining your happiness? Now, we don't want to admit it. You want me to get on to the next part? <laughs> and I'm almost finished. We don't want to admit it because if we admit it, we've got to do something with it, right? Yeah. But it's undermining your happiness, and we all want to be happy. That's why we're talking about this for six weeks. We all want to be happy, but this pleasure-seeking is undermining that. It's undermining your happiness and undermining your relationships. And if you want to know what these things are, if, you, if you're married or have somebody close to you, it's the thing that when they say something to you, you get defensive. Oh, aren't you spending a little much, too much time, a little bit money, too much money on this or that? You say, oh, there's nothing wrong with that. I can afford it or it's my time. If that's your reaction, that's most likely the pleasure that is undermining your happiness and the happiness of your loved ones. Another way to say the question is this way. Is there a pleasure that's slowly taking you prisoner? Again, it can be sinful or immoral or maybe not. Or illegal or not. Doesn't matter. You look back and you say, yeah, I spent a lot of time, money, whatever, energy, uh, emotional energy, time on, 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 this, on, on this pleasure seeking. And it's not bringing me happiness. And Jesus says, you can trade that. You can trade it for me, the good shepherd, who lays down his life for you. I would do anything for you. And I want to give you abundant, extraordinary, wow, life. Now, ladies, you can just tune out now. I'm going to talk to guys for a minute. Because I am one, all right? Don't, I don't ever claim to understand women, <laughs> all right? I'm not even going to go there. But I understand guys, because I am one. <clears throat> now, here is the way we respond to something like this. Yeah, I probably need to do better, right? I need to spend a little less, less time on that, a little less money on that, whatever, right? And what we'll do is do better for a while. But then if something crazy happens, we feel like we've deprived ourselves. And often, after a time frame, we're actually more imprisoned than we were before. We kind of make up for what we did before. And so consequently, everybody loses. We lose, and our loved ones lose. So what I'm saying to you, you're probably going to have to take extreme measures. Stop riding roller coasters all together. All right? All of us have tried this. I'll cut back. 
You know, I never smoked, but people, I see people that do this. They'll cut back on smoking, and before long, they're smoking as much as they, you know, whatever the addiction is. It's going to take extreme measures. But here's the point. Your happiness and the happiness of your loved ones are at stake. This is too important not to deal with. So let me say, guys, just do it. All right? And that's where I want to finish today. We've got one more week in this. Next week's topic is really, really important too. So hopefully you can join us. I'll pray for you and then we'll have a song and we'll let you go. Father God, thank you. I thank you for these folks. I thank you for their attentiveness. This is an important issue, an important topic. And we do get it confused. <clears throat> and uh, yeah, we, we like quick fixes, God. And just, just, they just aren't out there. So God, I pray for each of these folks that uh, they'll take this seriously. They'll seek happiness instead of pleasure and then consequently get both. And someone, some of us are trapped in addiction, or a prison of some pleasure, God. Uh, help us have the courage and the wisdom to, to get it right, to get it fixed. And we thank you, Jesus, that you are a good shepherd. You died so that we might have this abundant life, this connection with you, God, and great relationships with those folks around us. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.